Hello, everyone. My name is Fernando Lopez, and I'm so excited to be interviewing today leadership communication and influence coach, Dr. Laura Sicola. Laura has a TEDx talk that has had over 6.5 million views. The title of that TEDx talk is Want to Sound Like a Leader? Start by saying your name right. I'm so excited to be talking with you, Laura. Laura, welcome. Thank you so much, Fernando. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here, Laura. We've been uh, chatting for a few weeks now. We met at a, say, a mastermind, a, a high-level mastermind community. And when <clears throat> the first time I saw you and experienced your teaching, I believe you were doing a, a, a workshop for us. Mm -hmm. And I thought I need to interview her, and especially with the stories you shared. And today we're going to be talking about dating and communication. Uh, given that time of the year, Valentine's, um, I just want to thank you and express my gratitude for making the time today. Oh, it's fun. I'm so glad to be here and to talk. Normally, I'm working with clients who are more in the corporate world and looking to do uh, a different kind of influence. And I love the opportunity to talk about the world of dating because, look, that's a, that's a scary time, right? When you're making that first impression, you're getting to know somebody, wondering if it's going to be the one, but you want to have that special connection with somebody. And, and the way that we communicate is going to have one of two effects, right? It's going to either help us take a step closer and get to know them better and make them want to take a step closer in return, or it's going to have the opposite effect. And we don't want that to happen. So uh, glad to be here and help people make that take that really important step. Wonderful. And as your listeners have already got from this short period of Laura, she's so magnetic, her voice, tonality, clarity. She's a true leader and um, stick around because you're going to learn a lot from her today. So Laura, when it comes to, so for instance, this TEDx, uh, TEDx uh, talk that I just learned about the, the title of it. And when you said it, I thought this is great for dating how people say their names when they're introducing one another. Yes. Um, it's what, um, what did you cover in that talk for people that have, has not yet listened or heard that uh, or seen your TEDx? Well, I definitely recommend people go and find it. It's on YouTube. So punch in my name and TEDx and it should pop right up. It's uh, in the organic searches, comes up pretty quickly. But the so the name piece is one small portion that's a good example of the rest of the of what I'm teaching throughout. But the whole um, the whole talk is about the role of communication in the way that we influence and how in whether or not you come across as a leader. Because leadership really is not about your title, about your job, about your role or your position on the org chart. It's an image. And Again, whether it's personal leadership, professional leadership, community leadership, family leadership, the way that you communicate will either help people to view you as a leader, as someone who they would voluntarily follow, who they would trust, whose vision they, they agree with, and they want to get on board, or it doesn't. So you could be an intern in the mailroom and be viewed as a leader if you're an effective communicator. And frankly, you could be the CEO and not be viewed as a leader because of the way that you communicate your words, your voice, your body language, how all of those pieces gel or don't. And when they don't gel and somebody's going, wait, something doesn't click here. I don't know what it is in my gut. I'm just not buying this guy or whatever. Then that's where you realize there's a lack of integrity 
And I don't mean integrity like honesty. I mean, there's a lack of, of um, cohesion or a lack of congruence or alignment in your various channels, that verbal, vocal, visual. And if that's not an alignment, then you're going to sabotage yourself because you don't even realize that you're sending mixed signals before you got out the gate. Wonderful. So everything I heard there, I when I was hearing through the lens of lenses of I am a man. Okay. Or or with how could this you being a woman? Mm-hmm. How does that play into being having leadership as a woman and having a harmony with say femininity or the feminine uh, energy of of being a woman? So I don't tend to distinguish quite as much in that whole, in the dichotomy, so to speak, uh, the, the binary black and white, masculine, feminine. I think we all channel different energies differently. And I, I would encourage people to not pigeonhole themselves in what they feel like they're supposed to do as quote unquote, a man or as a woman, because only you know where your um, where your heart is, what you're what you're confident in, where your passions are. You know, if you're a man who's a, a fine artist, a painter, or dances ballet, or sings opera, or all those, other, I mean, there's nothing less masculine about that than if you play football. And so I don't. Um, the way that you communicate to me is more about accurately expressing your truth whoever you are. So whether you play football, dance ballet, or sit on the couch and watch TV 12 hours a day, that's as long as you're confident in who you are and you want to find a mate, you want to find a partner, you want to find whether it's a date for an evening and for Valentine's Day or a partner for the rest of your life, you, I I would presume that you want them to know the truth about who you are and the way that you share, the way that you express that they're either going to truly believe that, wow, I'm really seeing into this person's soul in the way that they're telling me about what their values are, their what's fun for them, what they like, what they don't like, what they're good at, what they're not good at, what they aspire to. They're letting me into their soul. And I totally believe everything that they're saying. And I like that. Um, or it's going to feel like, well, is, is he putting on a show? He seems like he's showing off or he seems like he's holding back or I don't really know. He's trying to be something he thinks I want. And here's the thing in dating. And look, I, I have been married. I just celebrated my seventh anniversary with my husband. Um, we met on a dating website eight years ago, uh, got married almost a year to the day after we, after we uh, originally met. Um, but I dated for you know 20 years before we met. So I, wherever you are right now, if you're in the dating world, I get it. And the one thing that is, you know, when it comes to confidence and that, that fear of rejection that we all have, male or female in the dating world, heterosexual, gay, whatever, that we go in thinking, boy, I hope they like me. But we interpret it, we approach it from the wrong direction. We go in from the I hope they like me, so I'm gonna act like the person I think that they will like as a so that they wanna see me again, instead of I want to convey the, the best side of who I really am and hope that they like that person. Because if they don't like who that person is, then 
this is not going to be a good relationship. I want them to remove themselves from the gene pool of possible partners as soon as humanly possible so as not to waste my time. So, you know, I mean, masculine, feminine, I'm pretty, I'm a Jersey Italian. Look, I'm direct. I'm clearly, I speak my mind. I don't sugarcoat things. I can be diplomatic, certainly. But if you're looking, if your definition of feminine, if somebody out there, if their definition is feminine is to be like soft and demure and um, kind of, you know, subservient and whatever else, like we are not a good fit. It is not my interest to make you like me and make you think that I'm the person you're going to like. We will both be very unhappy very quickly. So let's just get that out of the way. And you don't have to be, you know, in their face about it. Like, look, this is me and you just need to deal with it. And that's all there is to it. It's like, well, okay, let's, let's back off. You want the best for each other. So let's see if we fit. That should be the nature of your first conversation. And if what's best for you is not me, then I still wish you well. I love it. I love so much of that. The so let's I guess dive in a, a little bit into say personal personal stories so sure. people can relate even more. What was different after 20 years of dating? Mm-hmm. What was different about your uh your uh husband before he was your husband? What what caused the was it timing? Is it something that you uh was it just something that he was, he was perfect for you. Did it take a while to realize that, you know, how, I guess what I'm asking is why him? Sure. Uh, you know, from the beginning, I guess where things were different and it, it actually goes back to what I was just referencing as far as, you know, if you're not good for me, I'm fine with that. Let's just identify it sooner rather than later. Um, you know, because of where we both were in life a little bit later, um, not late, late in life, but you know, not right out of college or not super young. Uh, we both had had enough experience that we knew our priorities. We knew what we were really looking for. And uh, we weren't willing to compromise on that, nor were we willing to wait down the line to eventually figure out if those priorities were there. We both, we weren't looking for just a date. We were looking to identify a life partner. And you know, it's funny because I think we had the most unromantic beginning of a relationship ever for the history books. And, you know, we, we met, he pinged me on my profile and I looked at his profile and guys, oh guys, please, if you're on a dating app, fill it out, fill out your profile. There is nothing worse than looking at a guy's picture where a, it's like him and 18 fraternity brothers from 20 years ago, a hundred yards away with baseball hats and sunglasses on like, Am I playing Where's Waldo? Show me your face. I want to see you smile. Show me who you are. So that's number one. And then when you see the profile, like give the data. And if you're like, I don't know how to talk about myself, then talk to somebody else and help get some help writing it. Talk to your best friend, male or female. Like, what do they like about you? What do you, but tell it from your side, because if you can't even talk about yourself when you're writing one word answers, that doesn't bode well for what our first date's going to go like. I don't want to have to pull teeth. And the response of, if you want to know something about me, just ask, I don't like to talk about myself. Other, That doesn't make you stand up from the billion other blank profiles out there, right? Help me find something useful that makes you go, I'm going to respond to this guy. That's helpful. We need a little bit of bait in there. Um, and his profile was filled out well, which I appreciated, but there were a couple of key things. He'd been married before. Um, so he was divorced and he had a son who was 11 at the time. And 
I thought, okay, well, those are two really important things because a lot of guys who are divorced, you know, in their forties at that point, don't want to get married again. And the fact that he's got a child already, he may not want another one. And both of those were really important to me. Like, I'm not just looking for a date. I want a husband and I'm not just looking for a, uh, you know, it, it's, I'm fine. If you have children already, I was open to that, but I wanted to know if he, um, you know, I wanted to have one of my own, if at all possible as well. So, and there were, you know, one or two other little details that were equally important and need to know this. Otherwise it's just not a match. And I've written it, So I wrote to him, I responded to his in, uh, initiation and just said, thanks for writing. If you don't mind, could I just ask you to clarify these couple of points? Where do you stand on these? Because, you know, in case you're not looking for that, I wish you well, but I don't want to waste your time or mine. So, you know, good luck either way and no hard feelings. And I've written that to others before and gotten responses like, whoa, whoa, you're talking marriage and kids. Like, I don't even know you yet. I'm like, dude, don't flatter yourself. Don't flatter yourself. Come on. I'm just trying to not waste your time. I'm trying to tell you who I am, my priorities. And you think I'm asking you to marry me now? Like, what is wrong with you? No. So when I wrote that to him, he wrote back to me and said, thank you for asking. Here's the answers. And actually, if you don't mind, would you ask, answer a couple of questions as well. And so we basically cross-examined each other for about a week. There was, there was no sweet talk. There was no like flattery or, you know, sweet nothings kind of stuff. We just went back and forth for like five days, hardcore, hardcore response, answer, where's what's important to you? How do you feel about that? How can you, and then finally he was like, okay, I think we should go to dinner. We went to a really nice dinner and a year later we got married. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Oh, so much, so much good juicy information in there that perhaps to you 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 described as unromantic beginning to me it i experienced that as being very romantic from say a i respect my time so much i respect your time so much that i'm willing to lead this conversation into here's what is important to me on a long-term partnership how do you feel about that? That, to me, I can see how it being a type of romance because it sparks in the right person, sparks those feelings. Ooh, this, this one is not, not, not serious as in serious, but this one is uh, intelligent. This one knows what she wants. She's a leader. And if she's being so upfront and respectful of our time and the questions are so intelligent in nature. And when I say intelligent, I mean, to me, intelligence is attractive. So I think for a lot of people that is true also. So causing attraction by how one asks questions. Yes. This is one of the things that I role play with my clients a lot um, is let's role play asking questions that show who you are by not by asking someone else's questions, by the quality of your questions, about how to cause attraction in someone else. So when you said unromantic beginning, I thought that is actually romantic because it shows, I think, respect. And respect is kind, kindness, and kindness is romantic. So that's how, in my mind, it all works. So thanks for sharing that. Sure. So you had, so that happened, a year later, you were married. So you met, right? First dinner. You said, uh, what words you said? Great. It was amazing. And what, what was the dinner like? First time. <laughs> Interestingly, it wasn't that different from the email exchanges and the phone, you know, it was still very much like, all right, now that we're here, 
this, let's get a little bit more like, here's the final pieces. And, uh, you know, so it was nice to put a face to the name because it was pre, you know, we weren't all doing Zoom and, and FaceTime and that kind of stuff. So it was mostly just email. I don't even remember if we had a phone call or not before we decided to get together. It was mostly just writing back and forth. Um, and it was just more of the, like, let's get clear. What really matters? What do you like? What's important to you? What It was much more job interview of sorts, but I appreciated the uh, his his stomach for, you know, really understanding what matters. He was looking for someone who would be a life partner, who would be a mother to his son. And I appreciated the fact that that was more important than, you know, some of the other superficial stuff, like, you know, what movies do you like? You know, we talked about that kind of fun stuff too, but his priority was making sure that we would be good partners and that his son would have a good mom. That was, that was mission critical. And I respected that. Um, you know, who, who wouldn't. Wow. And so you, amazing. Since it meant he would be a good, he wanted me to be a good mom, which meant he was a good dad. If he was a good dad to his kid and we could have another one, he'd be a good dad to mine, to ours. And that, that's really important to me. Oh, lovely. Lovely. One of the, the filters I use for my, my dating. So I'm in the phase of life that I'm calling in my life partner. So I'm very excited about that. And one of the filters I've used for years when choosing someone to date is, would this person be a mother, a good mother to my children? Just by how she's treating me, how she's treating her family, how she's treating her friends. Um, and so far, it's, it's, it's worked well, that framework. Well, is this person, can I see that person being a mother to my children? And I do that like unconscious now. It's like I meet someone how she smiles, how she holds my hand, how she hugs. It's like, wow, okay, yes, it's happening or no, it's not happening. Thanks, thanks, you know, thanks universe for, you know, for, for this and, and, and reminding me that the person I want, it would pass that test. And, and so far it's been working very well. So how about can we- I, Can I ask you, I'm sorry, yeah. for some reason, my machine is, can you hear a frequency if we want to pause for just one second? Sure, yeah, let's do that. And we are back for from a short break here with computer uh, challenges, but we're back. And Laura, I'd like to transition a little bit to identity. We talked a little bit about identity, the importance of identity uh, when it comes to dating. And then if you can then expand to uh, the personal brand that you, uh, you were teaching me a little bit earlier today. Yeah, personal branding is, is something that I, often introduce as a, a first step really in any of the training that I do with, with my clients. And again, typically we come from the, the corporate or at least business professional world, but I think it's something where everybody needs to think about their own personal brand, both at work and at home, personally, professionally, not just the brand of the company that you work for, Nike, Disney, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, whatever it happens to be, or your company, but who are you as an individual? And when you think about your brand, think about your reputation. You know, a, a um, what do you want to be known for? And a, a friend of mine who is a marketing professor at Drexel University, uh, excuse me, Temple University here in Philadelphia, uh, Alan Kersner, his is he has my favorite definition of brand. And the brand, as he puts it, a brand is the promise of an experience, and the experience of a promise delivered. 
I'll say that again. The brand is a promise of an experience and the experience of a promise delivered. So when you think about what you want your reputation to be in the dating world, what is the experience that you promise in your, in your profile and then in all of your actions thereafter? And what is it that you deliver? And does that meet? Does that match the brand that you promise? If you say, look, I'm dependable. You can always count on me. I have total integrity. I am reliable. I'm whatever. And then, you know, they write you a, a message and say, hey, are you free Tuesday night? And it takes you like a week to get back to them to the point where it's now past Tuesday. Like, how are you reliable and dependable? You may claim one thing, but what your brand is demonstrating is the opposite. And the way that you speak equally is going to create its own brand. So the question is, are, is your brand creating itself in spite of you? Or have you really thought about what qualities you want people to recognize in you as part of your brand, who you really want your identity to be? And then what are you doing to live up to it in your words as well as your actions? So let's, um, let's do an exercise. Can we do an exercise together, Fernando? Yes, I love, I love exercises. <laughs> okay, good. So I want everybody out there to write down three to five qualities, personal qualities or characteristics, one word at a time, an adjective or a noun or something that uh, you would like to describe you at your core three qualities that you want people to recognize in you when they're sitting across the table from you at the cafe or the bar, or wherever it is, even across from you on Zoom, you want them to think to themselves, wow, that guy's really what? And so think in terms of uh, often the ones that I hear in many of them will translate to the personal world as well as the professional, but you want them to see you as someone who's confident, as someone who is reliable, as someone who has uh, integrity, or as someone who is approachable, relatable, passionate, kind, patient, energetic, compassionate, empathetic, high energy, calm. Like whatever defines you, what is it then when you've, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, yeah, all of those at some time or other. Okay, let's pick three for the sake of argument. If you think to yourself, all right, so Fernando, what are the top three things? You're dating, you're looking for the woman of your dreams. What are the top three characteristics that you really hope she, that she perceives in you? The first one is romantic. Okay. The second one is leader. Okay. And the third one is fun. Okay, cool. So then we want to think about what that looks like. And not just in gestures like, okay, tokens of romance, maybe a flower or, you know, whatever you want it to be in your, in your world. Um, let's talk about, let's see. So it was leader, it was fun, and it was romantic. Yeah. Okay. And these are things that more often than not are going to come through in you. They're going to be the, the hallmarks of the experience of the brand promise of Fernando. So when you're sitting at dinner, what is it that's going to, when you're talking to her, that she's going to go, wow, he's, he's really fun. And it doesn't mean you always have to be funny, right? The, I mean, it's nice to have somebody who makes you laugh. We've been 
chatting here. I've told a couple of stories and whatever. I've made you laugh. You've made me laugh. But it's not just like a stand-up comedy routine, right? That you burn out on that. That's not sustainable. But what's something that would make you fun? If you're talking, you what is it that you do that you're like, I think she would see me as a fun person through my conversation? It would be telling a story of, say, a fun time I had in my last travel. Okay. So having fun stories to tell so that she could get a picture of your personality. She would understand things that you like to do. She'd understand what you appreciate. Okay. What else would be demonstrating that you're fun? Uh, it would be, so besides telling stories of travel, it would be uh, playing, playing games. So sometimes I'll play a game of, we're going to communicate in a language that we're going to make up. We're going to create a language right now. Uh, if she knows a language, a real language that she, that I don't know, and same here, I know three, I know three languages. So what languages do you know? So Portuguese, Spanish, and English. Beautiful. And let's say she knows, you know, English and German. So I'll say for the next two minutes, you speak German, I'll speak Portuguese, and we're just going to talk uh, and we're going to pretend we understand everything we're saying. And that, that is so fun. And if she doesn't know a language, then we'll just create, create a language, call it something. I'll create a language, call it something to, I guess, to have fun. And then we start communicating with, uh, with cues that are body language cues, facial cues, tonality cues. Uh, so that's something I do for fun. Oh, that's fun. And that's creative. And it helps you to see then, is she, because I'm sure she'd be like, you want me to do what? Uh, okay, let me think about this. It's like, is she willing to step out of her comfort zone a little? Is she willing to be a little silly? Is she willing to make some mistakes? No, because you can't really do it right because you can't do it wrong. That's the beauty of that. But if somebody's like, um, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, she's not into that, but that's good to know that maybe there's some incompatibility there. That's not to say that you're gonna love everything that each other does, not, right? It's never a hundred percent match. But that's an important, that's a great way for you to show like, this is my fun side. This is how I demonstrate. I don't take myself too seriously, but this is, you know, a little creative play. So that's a great way to demonstrate fun. And it can even be out when you're listening and some of your smaller nuances. So for example, when you're talking or when you're listening, are you smiling when she's telling you one of her stories? Are you nodding and are you showing that, um, or are you offering little feedback comments to show that you're enjoying what she's saying? Are you making eye contact as you're talking? That's kind of the stuff with, with positive body language, like you're nodding your head now and go, that shows me that you agree. You've got a little smile on your face. So I think that, okay, you, you're engaged in the conversation. You're appreciating what I'm saying. I feel appreciated. I feel understood. Then that's a, that's a lighter version of fun, but it shows that we're both happy and we're both enjoying this together. And that's an important place. So being a fun person doesn't have to mean you're Mr. Funny Man all the time, but that on a lighter level, we can just have fun and enjoy something as simple as a conversation together. So that's all those details show, am I fun? You can tell her I'm a really fun guy, but I guarantee if you tell somebody I'm a X person, they're gonna go, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> they wanna make the decision for themselves. Let them come to their own conclusion based on the evidence you provide and you've convinced them. Indeed, indeed. And I want to do uh, 
touch a little bit more on the importance of body language and acknowledgement through body language. So on the ex fun exercise of the, uh, you know, creative, uh, the made up language, it gets to, I think she and I, you know, we, we practice how to do just that because we're now not using words. We're, we're using our, our eye movements, our smiles, the change in tonality or the change in tonality. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, um, some studies say that words are 7% of communication. So you want to address that one. Cause that's a whole ball of worms. That's a whole uh, can of worms there. And I would love to debunk that myth. Let's do it. Okay, so here's the real short version. And this is actually something that I cover in my TED Talk because it's uh, so misconstrued. And there's a lot of huge names out there who like to reference that in their presentations and talks about leadership and whatever else. And I just want to go, no, please tell me you don't actually, don't perpetuate that myth. <laughs> so I could not like jump through the screen or jump up on the stage and be like, give me the mic. I got to set the record straight. <laughs> <sighs> So thank you for allowing me an opportunity to get on my soapbox for like 90 seconds and just clarify the myth. If you hear somebody say something like, well, you know, uh, words are only 7% of communication or body language is 50, you know, nonverbal communication is 55%. No, 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 no. Remember what I said in the beginning, what's most important is alignment, right? If you want to be seen as, uh, as credible, your words, your voice, and your body language, if you think of a triangle, they all need to be communicating the same thing at the same time. Your words, your voice, and your body language, your verbal, vocal, and visual. And it's when they're out of alignment, then the attention gets disproportionately distracted and like the listener doesn't know what to pay attention to. So let's just do a real quick demo. If I say to you, we're on a date and I go, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it all day. <laughs> yeah, the, your words were not matching your body language. And your body language was matching your voice, but your body language and your voice were not matching your words. Right. So now what if I actually am interested and I am glad to be here? What's the problem? <laughs> Then your um, the problem, I guess, your body language and your uh, your voice are not matching your words. So, so how does that change what your which where you decide to go? Oh, got it. Yeah, so that makes sense to your point that alignment is would be the we're looking for alignment and not so much put weight on either how body language is important or how words are important but that the alignment is important. Right, because you are you could actually mean that you're happy to be there, but maybe it's just because you're super nervous. And when you get nervous, you pull into yourself and you're like, um, yep, I'm, I'm really glad you suggested this date. And um, you know, even though it seems like you would rather crawl under the table. So when the issue is that when the words and the delivery, the content and the delivery, the delivery being the voice and the body language, when they don't match, then your perception as the listener is to dismiss the words and to just choose to interpret the delivery stuff instead. You're, you're basing your judgment about me not really wanting to be here on how I looked and how I sounded, even though I said I was happy to be here. Mm. And maybe I really was happy to be here, just nervous, but mm. you ignored the meaning of the words 
and you chose to go with something else. So it's when you're out of alignment. In other words, when you're being a bad and ineffective communicator, that is when words take on much less interpreted meaning. And that's when it goes, there was one study that brought it down to 7% and it's somewhat loose of a number. Um, but it just shows that again, when out of alignment, people will read more, they'll choose to interpret what they think you actually mean instead of believing what you say. So all that to be said, the body language is important if you want to convey truly how you feel. And it's not that you have to be all over the place, like one of those balloons outside the car dealerships, you know, that's not the idea, but you should be animated at least, you know, your facial expression, your posture, again, not super stiff, but you know, in attentive, interested, enthusiastic, somehow show me that you're present through your mannerisms. That's what I want to know that you're truly here present with me and not constantly on your phone. Going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's not present. I want your presence. That's mm. what's most important. I love that. I love the presence part. Wow. So many places we can go here. Um, so we talked about the, the three qualities. So I, I love that exercise that, you know, for listeners and viewers to do that exercise, you know, what three qualities you want to have as a personal brand, uh, much like of, and I love that you touched on that because I feel like a lot of what happens in business can be borrowed, the discipline of successful business can be borrowed to relationships and adapted to relationships. So for instance, I was having a, I was having a leading a men's group the other day. Okay. And uh, one of the, the people there uh, was uh, married and wants to bring more, uh, say romance into their, into their lives. And, and, and he loved how I put that you can date after you are, you know, with your long-term partner, you can dating. You should continue to date. You shouldn't stop. So I said, uh, and she was, he was like, I don't know how to do it. And I said, okay, what, what are you excellent at it? And he said, well, excellent. What I used to do engineer 15 years, just quit his job to now start a new business. And I thought, okay, when you were an engineer, um, what did you show up at on time most of the days? Yes. Okay. So did you have a discipline of service? Did you service? Did you serve your employee, the mission of the company? Yes, I did. Okay. Can you then um, start putting, say, uh, having uh, date nights? Can you start putting uh, blocks of time in your calendar that would treat your wife uh, in a fashion that I think though his words were, he wanted her to know that she was number one, that she was his priority. What can you then bring that discipline that you have of service, you know, 15 years of practice in business, bring that into uh, the relationship, that, that, that devotion that can then start with, I'm going to be the leader. And we, this time each day or each evening or at once a week, it's your time and your significant other and your partner and it was he he thought oh wow I can do that yeah I can definitely do that and uh, so it was a breakthrough for him to realize that he can borrow from his excellence in business on how to be an amazing leader in business even though he was an employee he was a leader in his department bring borrow from the mastery into 
into the relationship. So I guess the point I'm making is, in my experience, it has worked to borrow discipline from business that has worked as, you know, treating the client as, you know, loving the client. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, knowing more about the client that they know themselves and speak in their language, you know, b- borrow that with your spouse or with the person you're dating. So thanks for bringing that. And no, absolutely. And, and when you think about it in work, you want to treat your client as though they're the most important person or thing to you. And you want them to constantly feel like it's always worth their, it, what they're investing in you will come back to them that much more. They'll constantly be so glad that they're investing this time with you, this in this relationship with you. And it's no different from a romantic relationship. They're going to invest their time with you and you want them to feel like they're the most important thing in your life and that they'll never regret the time that they invest with you, that they'll always get more in return. And it's not more in a competition right? Who gives more, who gives less? That's, that's the bad place to be, but you just always want to be from a place of, of giving and know that it'll be appreciated. And of course, love languages and all that kind of stuff for a whole different element. Um, and I actually, uh, spoiler alert on Tuesday uh, coming up, um, my podcast episode will be about uh, communicating in your love languages and language of appreciation, both at work and at home through the language of gift giving, and what does it mean to give a gift, whether it's in a box or otherwise? How do you find out what the right, uh, how do you give the perfect gift? So it's, it'll be on my newsletter and it'll be in the podcast and whatnot. So anybody who wants to dig a little deeper into that, um, tune in. Awesome. What, and how do they find your podcast? Thank you. Um, they can go to speakingtoinfluence.com. That's the, uh, the, com- the name of the show. I mean, it's over here. And otherwise it's on iTunes or well, now it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all your usual suspects. Wonderful. Ah, uh, the amazing. I love that. Uh, love languages. Um, wonderful. How about we, sh- uh, you share the story of your amazing dating life before you married your husband. What did he do? Tell us the, the story that, you know, the TV story <laughs> when we were dating. <laughs> I love talking to guys about this stuff because it's like of all the stories we share, which ones stick out to a woman and which ones stick out to a guy. And the, you know, this actually came from a very different topic, but um, one of the funny elements to me in early, I would say maybe, I don't know, couldn't have been more than three, four weeks into the relationship. Um, you know, we're talking eight years ago or so, and I'm not a big TV watcher. I mean, I'll, watch something here and there, but I don't care. So I still had an old regular TV. It wasn't flat screen, wasn't widescreen. It was still one of those big cubes, you know, at the square screens to it. Uh, again, I didn't care. I didn't really watch TV. And, uh, you know, we watched a few things at my house and again, a couple of weeks into the relationship, he shows up one day and he's got a new widescreen TV and he walks in the door and I'm thinking flowers would have worked or, you know, a bottle of wine, but okay, we're going to go television. And he walks in and all he says is, I, I can't watch TV. I can't watch your television. And I remember thinking, I didn't realize you were coming here to watch television for in particular, but okay. You know what, if worse comes to worse and the relationship doesn't work out, at least I get a TV out of the deal. And it was nice because I got a TV and a husband. So, you know, things worked out. <laughs> oh, I just love that. I just love like the, the leadership there, the, the charm, you know, on his behalf, the leadership, charm, confidence. Like oh, he was totally unapologetic. It was like, Nope, your TV sucks. 
pardon the expression, TV doesn't work, can't stand your television. So I'm gonna enjoy watching TV and doing whatever with you. I gotta get you a new TV. So, okay, <laughs> appreciate the gesture. Why not? I got a great TV. Yes, guys, take notes. Take notes. <laughs> this is like, this is a G move. Like this is a, this is a top level, you know, you know, right out of the, the movies uh, type of move that I highly recommend you model the intention behind it. So is there something that you could do that you modeling the intention of the TV story, Laura's TV story? Well, and I think what's important behind it, it please do not take out of this, okay, I need to buy her a television or some other expensive piece like toy. That wasn't it because, you know, at its surface, I didn't want a new TV. I was fine with my old one. If you're going to spend that kind of money on me, there's a hundred different ways I would have preferred in the moment to buy it. But what I understood was that, okay, this is important to him and he's sharing what's his values with me. He wanted me to have something nice. And he thought that was something very nice. And what was most important to me about it was that I realized he's not going to give that to me if he's planning on, you know, maybe I'm into her, maybe I'm not into her. I don't know, maybe another week or two, we'll see where things are going. Like you don't give somebody that unless you're planning on sticking around to use it. And so that was kind of nice that we were only together for a few weeks. And I was like, okay, well, that's a serious gesture of his commitment that he's kind of literally investing in us so that we can, you know, watch movies together or do other things in my place and have it be the kind of experience he wants it to be. So that's what I took from it. And I would encourage you to look at that intention behind it uh, as well. Wonderful. The, that was, you say four weeks into it, four weeks into the relationship? Could have been less. Could have wow. been more. I don't think it was much more. It was, it was darn early. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking that some relationships, speaking from my experience, Usually um, the words I hear from my past relationships have been in past uh, uh, girlfriends have former girlfriends have been this. Uh, we were, it, it got intense so, uh, sooner than they expected, or you went, you got deep fast, or you got, um, I guess to a level of relationship material fast. And I think it's in a way I was doing, I was pushing the boundaries different than how you did it with your, with your husband. I think you put, you did what you did maybe through exchanging of messages. And um, I did it through uh, having in my mind, if this is going to be the mother of my children, how would I treat her? Yes. How would I treat her today? How would I uh, speak with her? How would I set up my house? For instance, um, you know, and so my last relationship, for instance, I she had some some things that she liked in 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 the restroom, in the bath, in, in the bathroom. So I made sure she, those things were there for her. Some things she loved in the kitchen because uh, she is vegan, and um, so I got it for her. Mm -hmm. And setting it up, how can I make the environment be so that it's easy for love to occur? or it's easy for my gifts to be received or in her gifts to be given and my, and my gifts to be given as well. Cause we giving is, is awesome. And especially yeah. when the other person receives it. Um, 
So it's and giving it, means just giving up yourself. It doesn't mean like huge, grandiose gestures. It doesn't mean in a physical sense or in a monetary sense. It's just like, can I be myself to you? Can I show you who I am? Can I listen and receive who you are and understand and, and appreciate and, uh, you know, uh, what's the right word? Just sort of support all of that. And that's a gift by itself. It doesn't have to be a material gift. Yes. Yes. It doesn't, it does not at all. It does not have to be material. And something that I wanted to go a little bit into the lessons. So for instance, my last relationship, she's vegan. I've been wanting to go vegan for a long time. Okay. And with her, I decided to be vegan. Mm-hmm. We're no longer together. We did our relationship agreement of completion. Mm-hmm. We just had our cool last cool off call or cool down call. Okay. Part of the relationship agreement. Completion. That's great that you have that kind of cl- uh, closure. Yes, it's it it's it's been about three years that um, that I've been implementing that. Me and my partner at the time, we loved each other and we wanted to, we came to a point where I realized we were not meant to be uh, together long-term. So how do we respect, honor, acknowledge this amazing relationship of 14 months that we had? And one way was putting on on a Google doc or putting on paper, you know, Mm. and, and honoring the things we loved about one another, the things we didn't love about one another, the lessons learned there. And uh, how we're going to spend our time uh, from the completion day, some call the breakup, from that day forward. Since we're, if we're spending 20 hours a week together, now we have 20 hours a week to replace with something else mm-hmm. to bypass uh, sadness, depression, interesting loneliness. So it's been three years and a few relationship agreements of completion that I've had personally, uh, plus the ones that I've helped uh, clients go through that literally has bypassed depression, sadness, um, because of the the simplicity of putting things on paper um, and realizing uh, the reason why we ended was, and then reading the list and going, oh, that, that's why. So the person feels mm. empowered. Person feels empowered to, uh, if they feel like, oh, I missed that person because I just cooked something in a way that she liked or he liked and then reminded me of him. Oh, I miss him. Look at the list and go, oh yeah, I want to honor the all the things I didn't like about him or her. And here is what I like instead. Thank you, God. Thank you, the universe, for those lessons that yes. were some called negative Thank you for those lessons. And now the missing, like I miss someone, I'm incomplete. I need to have that person again. The missing feeling disappears when the person mm-hmm. gets, uh, remembers their their relationship agreement completion, which is a Google Doc, you know, a template that I've been honing in and working in, on for the last three uh, years and a few relationships. And I've been checking on my uh, past partners saying, checking, hey, what has that relationship agreement of completion, uh, how has it affected you um, since we ended? And, I've, and so far, the answers have been, it's helped me remember why we ended, honor what we had, and look forward to the relationship they're in now, or if they're, they now are in between relationships, empowers them 
to look at the last list. There's about three lists in the agreement. The last list is the ideal partner blueprint, which comes out of the, all the things a person disliked about me or I dislike about them. So by looking at the blueprint, they go, oh yeah, I remember why Fernando and I broke up or ended. Right. And here's what I'm looking for instead. Right. So, um, so far it's been working. So I'm very excited about that. But back to you. Uh, we have a few minutes. We're going to start wrapping up soon. Okay. Uh, anything that you'd like to share in regards to leadership, your skills, communication, influence skills that you can impart to dating for the people that are watching and listening? I think it's important to recognize that at least in, for me, for my philosophy, that um, everyone has leadership abilities, capacity, and you know, I'm not one, there are those who have from certain cultures or religious backgrounds or whatever else feel like the man's supposed to be the leader. I don't think the word the leader, I think a leader, definitely. I don't want some, and I did realize, uh, you know, years ago I was with somebody who was a really good person and we thought we were going to get married and, you know, we, after two years, it, it kind of didn't work out and, you know, that's okay. Um, you know, there were no hard feelings. It just, we came to the realization it wasn't right, but part of it was because he, um, was too passive overall. He just was more interested in not making a mistake. So if he just let me make all the decisions, then he couldn't make a mistake and I wouldn't be angry at him. And I just felt like I need to know who you are. I don't, I mean, he never mistreated me. He was, you know, dependable and he was a wonderful person, but I was just like, I, I need somebody who steps up a little bit more, somebody who it wants to show me who he is, not just who wants to be the person he thinks I want him to be. And, you know, he's happily married, has whatever else really happy for him. We still talk occasionally, but I just needed somebody a little bit more proactive and, and that's, it's not a judgment that he's a bad person or that that's wrong. That's who he was. And he needed to find a woman who wanted that degree of proactive, reactive, let her take the lead in this or that. Um, but I've also been in relationships where he was like, nope, the man has to be the leader. That's how it's supposed to be. And it's in the Bible and it's whatever else. And look, I'm religious too, but that's not my interpretation if you're really bad at financial management, hypothetically, you know, you're great at many other things, but you're not good at finances, numbers, and whatever else. And she is, why would you say that you're going to be in charge? Because like, understand where people's gifts allow them to lead. learn from them, let them take the lead. It shouldn't, don't worry about labels. And I mean, if you are someone who's, who, to whom labels like that matter, then no, and look for that up front or put that on your list of criteria, because if it's not something that matters to you, and I don't know, Fernando, maybe you disagree with my philosophy on this personally, but those are the kinds of things that influence how you talk to each other and what you're willing to listen to and where you're willing to take advice and where you're willing to, uh, you know, how you communicate with people who have differences of opinion from yours, whether it's political or religious or just about which pizzeria is better, you know, who, who, which football team or a sports team you, you support and do you care about sports at all? You know, there's where there's conflict because at some point there will always be things where you disagree. How do you handle that? Can you speak to each other respectfully? Can you, do you have to agree? How do you get to the point where you agree to disagree amicably and not resentfully? Um, and I think maybe that's the best place for me to, to wrap up that 
you know, my husband and I were both Italians from the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. You know, we're kind of loud and passionate and opinionated and whatever else. And, you know, we get into arguments, it can get a little more heated, but we never talk to each other disrespectfully. And like, we don't call each other names. We don't curse at each other. I can curse. Don't get me wrong. He can curse, he can, but not at each other. You know, when we're mad at traffic or mad at, you know, whatever else it is, but we don't curse at each other. Because I think once you insult each other, once you call each other, you're an F and this or, you know, whatever happens to be like, you can't take that back. That's saying who you think I am at my core, right? That's you're, you're labeling me with that identity to tell me later on, you didn't really mean it. That's hard to recover from. So I may argue with you. I may fight with you, but I will never call you a name. I will never speak to you disrespectfully. And that was something where when we got engaged, a conversation I had with my now stepson, who is one of my best friends. I adore him. We've got a great relationship. He's you know, in college now, whatever else, but he was 11 or 12 at the time. And we sat down and I said to him, look, I know, you know, we're going to be family now. And family sometimes disagrees. We argue, we may get on each other's nerves from time to time. But I said, I promise you that no matter what happens, I will never speak to you disrespectfully. And he just sort of sat there in his little 12 year old way and went, ditto. And that was our covenant right there. That was it. And, you know, there have been times when we've disagreed when I've had to put my foot down or when, you know, he's really wanted something. and I just couldn't, I didn't feel safe giving him the permission to do certain things or whatever it was. And he has never once, and I always braced myself for it. And in the last, you know, eight years, he's never once turned to me and said, you're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. And I was always kind of ready for that as stepmom, <laughs> and it has never come out. And, but it, I mean, it's a normal thing to expect or to, you know, you can't be too surprised when it does. And it just never has, but that we have never spoken to each other disrespectfully, even when disagreeing. And I think any good relationship has to be founded on respect in belief and in, uh, especially in the way that you speak to each other. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, just do what the other person wants, but in your disagreement, in your putting your foot down or, or, you know, digging in your heels on something, you do it in a way that argues with the, the position, not insulting the person behind it. That's the game changer right there. If you can stay this side of that line, whatever's meant to be will happen. I love that. That's my final thought. I love that. And you mentioned something there that I think we could have a second final thought. And it was the list. You said when you're talking about uh, people um, uh, respecting you know, values, you mentioned the list, like whatever is on your list. And I don't think we talked about the list yet. And it's one of the things I worked with my clients. You know, what's your ideal partner? Uh, what's And a prompt I use with them is my ideal partner is someone who dot, dot, dot. Did you have a list before you met your husband? Uh, not on paper, you know, not, or, not, or computer, not officially. I sort of had the mental list. Yeah. Um, and it's something that evolves over time. You know, you break up with one person because there's something really, really strong that made you go, I can't handle that. Nope. Not going to happen. And you go, okay, I didn't realize I needed to add that to the list, adding that to the list or something else that you swore you needed before. And you're realizing, Okay, maybe that's a little rigid. Maybe I don't totally need it. Maybe I just need this aspect of it. Or, you know, as long as it takes this form, I could handle it if I had to. It's a nice to have rather than need to have. So the, the list 
is fluid to an extent. You know, there are certain core things that, you know, I have my own, you know, faith that I follow. You don't have to accept it, but you can't prevent me from following it. You know, you can't tell me I can't go to church. If you don't want to come with me, that's fine. You just can't prevent me from going. You know, you can't be constantly trying to talk me out of it or disparaging it or something like that's, I would like you to come if you don't want to. Okay. But don't tell me no, that I can't. So, you know, that's, where's the line of, of gradient, so to speak. I think that's important. You know, vegan would be hard for me to date just because you look, I'm an omnivore. I love to cook and holidays and whatnot with family. Like it's 90% meat inclusive on just about everything, but desserts. So yeah. You know, what would we do? I, my whole family would rebel. I think that would be difficult. If I married, if I loved someone who was vegan, you know what? We work through it. That's, yeah. it's a question of where, what choices do you make? Yes, indeed. Indeed. And do you, there's a book, The Surrender Experiment. Hmm. Do you know about that book? I don't. So I just finished the audiobook uh, last night. Um, it's, it's this guy who, you know, very uh, successful economics, uh, I guess, student who then turned professor who uh, found meditation to be very helpful to quiet a voice that he started hearing, say, when he was 20, 20 something, something mm-hmm. happened in his brain that he started hearing the voice. So he found meditation to like, I don't want to hear that voice, that commentator. So he found meditation to help him. Then he got to a point where he starts seeing signs or people telling him things or things he would see people he would encounter uh, to start thinking, I need to surrender to this signs or people uh, coming to my life and, and giving me say advice or, uh, or tips. I have a list. I have a list for my ideal partner. And recently the universe has been, uh, gifting me with partners or the form this most recent partners that are not you know they, they met meet some of the things on the list and others not and i've been playing the surrender experiment i'm gonna surrender i'm gonna surrender so similar to what you said i think you know some some things there um are maybe uh, and i want to remember the exact words but i'm i think what you were conveying is the harmony of or the sustainability of maybe some things they must be my partner must have and other things I can uh, accept Um, so I was just curious to ask you if if you you know if you had that list because it's something that I'm surrendering to the universe and it's been the universe is is bringing me things that are a little bit different and I'm learning uh, three things like get deeper in the love area, like loving people more for who they are. Another one's patience, having more patience with myself and my goals and then action. And the way I've been experiencing action is to realize when it's time to draw a boundary, mm-hmm. realize when it's time to draw a boundary with something, with someone I'm dating. Um, because I guess it's time to, revisit my list and then learn from the lesson that the universe wanted me to learn. So I'm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, to the extent that as you make the list, it gets kind of longer and longer. That (laughs) might be the time when it's to prioritize, maybe limiting it to five or 10 that are your true priority, non-negotiable must-haves. And then you really hope or need a version of X 
and then the, you know, put the rest as nice to have, because chances are you're not going to find somebody who fits all of three pages worth of single spaced typing, you know, that perfectly. So there's knowing which ones are the most important. That's key. You know, I wanted someone who was going to want to get married, who was going to be willing to have more children with me, who was going to support the fact that I have a career. I'm not going to stay at home. That's, that doesn't work. So, you know, there were some really big fundamentals. I mentioned the faith piece, you know, what they eat. I would like to have someone who likes to eat and likes to experiment because I love to cook and I love to cook everything and go out and that kind of stuff. So that's a really nice to have. It would be hard to not have, but it's not nearly as important as wanting family as wanting some other things. Uh, you know, later on, I had to realize I apparently have to include things like can hold a job down for more than six months at a time. You know, like I'm X years old. I, you're X years old. You're really telling me in the last 10 years, you've been sort of flitting around from job to job opportunities. Oh, one of these days I'll find, no, you're not 20 anymore. You're like 20 times something at this point. So it's <laughs> time to grow up, you know, or I remember dating somebody who was in his late forties and I asked him, you know, so are you, uh, do you want to settle down to have a family? And he, you know, kind of thought for a second, he went, I mean, maybe someday. And I remember thinking to myself, do you know how old you are? <laughs> like, I, I, no is okay of an answer. At least it's honest, but like maybe someday you might want to have a family. Like, I don't want to change your diapers along with the babies. Like what? Let's get a little real deep. <laughs> yeah. This is somebody who clearly had either didn't want to say the answer because he thought I wouldn't like it. And that's not mm. a place to be, or really had not put much thought into this. And I thought, well, that's why you're still single. Maybe, I don't know, but that's certainly why this relationship's not going anywhere because you don't know what you want. And I need a man who knows what he wants. That's a writer, writer downer there, guys. You gotta tell it like it is, how it is for you, regardless whether uh, she's gonna like it or not. You gotta, you gotta speak your truth. You got to, you got to, you got to. You got to be the leader of your own life, not trying to please your date. So uh, thanks for that, uh, Laura. It's been, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for making the time. I think uh, the audience uh, has gotten amazing value. I, we could, I have way more questions than <laughs> today. We could, you know, um, maybe do well, some time. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, not something that I typically end up advising on, but, you know, communication is communication. And regardless, you want to have influence. And I don't mean manipulate. I just mean be clear and be able to help somebody else make decisions and, and get what you're looking for, you know, be in the relationship that you want to have. And the only way to do that is to communicate openly and effectively, diplomatically, carefully, tactfully, when necessary, but openly and, and honestly. And that's where you're going to find the right person and create the, the relationship that you want. Um, can I give a gift? Yes, yes, that's, that was the next step. Please, what is the gift you have for the audience? I would love to give everybody out there a copy of my book, and I'll show you what it looks like here. Uh, it's called Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. And I'll give you a link where you can go and download a free copy, not just of like a chapter or two, you can get the whole book. And it's all about everything that's in here. Even half of the stories are about personal life, my family, friends, et cetera. And half of them are about business because everything that's in here is just about talking to another person. You apply it. Uh, and adapt it as necessary based on the relationship, the context, and what you're looking to get from it. 
but I'm giving you the whole book. So you can download a copy if you go to speakingtoinfluence.com slash free copy hyphen S-T-I for speaking to influence. So free copy hyphen S-T-I, speakingtoinfluence.com slash free copy hyphen S-T-I. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, so a thought came to mind as you're uh, speaking about your gift there. And thank you for your generosity there. Pleasure. Um, it had to do with, oh, influence. Would you say that as you're, I, I may have the answer, but I think I want to drive the point to the listeners and, and viewers that you influenced your boyfriend, now husband, to be the type of man he already was, but you, 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 you help shape the, the environment and the relationship by your influence in the way you carried yourself, you, the way you spoke, the way you communicated with him, that you influenced him based on your principles. No, oh, absolutely. And he's influenced me. You know, if you're in a relationship and you don't influence each other, that's not much of a relationship. It's a coexistence. So I, I think you have to, you know, we've opened each other's minds to different things, seeing different perspectives on, uh, you know, any sort of topic out there. We've, we've opened each other's uh, lives to different kinds of hobbies and interests. Um, we've certainly learned a lot together as a couple. And, but I think the way, um, you know, there's a, a chapter in the book, uh, it's chapter eight, which is listening to influence. And the, there's a, worksheet in there and a, a segment where it, it's a worksheet that I actually created for us, for my husband and me when we were first married, because there were one or two issues where we just constantly argued about that, you know, subject. Everybody's got something. So that we had ours. And I didn't like the fact that we were constantly talking past each other and it was just always a, a clash and neither one of us felt like we were being heard. Neither one of us felt like we were being understood. And most people go to the defensive mode of thinking, well, I can't listen to you and give you credit for whatever until you, until I feel heard and understood. So you need to listen to me first. And when I feel satisfied that I've been heard, fine, now you can talk. And that doesn't work when both people are thinking the same thing. So this is a worksheet. And if you just follow the protocols on it, that allows both people to fully express what they're saying, uh, what, what they need to say, what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're experiencing in a way that doesn't disrespect the other person, that uh, and a, gives you language to help reflect back what you're hearing the other person say, takes all the emotion out of it, keeps everything super objective, and ensures that you are both hearing and understanding the other person, giving them credit where they feel like they've needed credit and validation and haven't received it. Um, not necessarily you just telling the other person, you're right, you're right, you're right, but helping move the needle forward and allowing each other to, whether it's complete the topic or just get to a, a place of better mutual understanding. And then another day you bring it up again and take another step, but to move past that point of conflict and help communicate together in a way that makes you feel heard, understood, loved, appreciated, and strengthens the relationship overall. And it's a protocol that you can do with people at work, with your spouse or your significant other, with your kids, um, wherever it is. So that's chapter eight. And I think in that way, he's funny because we now we've used that as a couples um, to do couples workshops for engaged couples. 
on how to communicate together. And when we bring up the worksheet, he will explain things from his perspective. And he's kind of funny because he says, you know, the first time Laura showed up and handed me this worksheet and a notebook and a pencil and said, you know, I want to try this. He's like, I looked at it and I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen <laughs> until it worked. That's so he humored me with the eye roll and the whole like, fine. All right, let's do it. And then like, I followed the protocol and I made sure that I kept my mouth shut. And I did, you know, just, I followed my own rules and made him follow the rules. And by then he was like, oh, I get it. Okay. And now it's like every time, and we almost don't need it anymore, but every now and then something will come up and it's like, can we get the rules? We call it the rules. Can we get the rules and just talk like, all right, so we have an issue we need to address. We don't want it to escalate. We don't want whatever else, but we need to get something clear and straight and complete together. And it's like, all right, let's make sure this is done, you know, in a, in a respectful and mutually open receiving way. And let's make progress on this together. Wow. 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 I had no idea that you led workshops for engaged couples and with your husband. It's Okay. I think we, we need to have a part two sometime and then we'll go. <laughs> okay. that. And then, which reminds me, you know, we can kind of compare notes because I have a, a protocol called the relationship agreement, Okay. which has the needs, wants, and boundaries where needs are mm. not negotiable and the boundaries are also non-negotiable and the wants are negotiable. Interesting. So, um, great way to put it. I will, I will put your link in the show notes for people to uh, get your gift. And um, for I want to take this uh, opportunity to give a shout out to, uh, to the people that are here local in San Diego this weekend. I'll be presenting at a Valentine's event uh, on Monday evening. And you're welcome to come. Go to onesofamily.org. Go to onesofamily.org and put in the code Love Fernando for 10% off. And I'll be one of the presenters there speaking to some of the things that Dr. Laura and I spoke here today, uh, as far as my frameworks to help you get the dating life that you deserve. And there'll be a bunch of people doing the same. So you get to be surrounded by people, not only that are single, but also couples that have uh, can serve as role models. We are who we surround ourselves with. So we're going to have couples there as well as single conscious, single uh, people. So if you're in San Diego, go to one, uh, so family.org, uh, promo code love Fernando, Dr. Laura, thank you so much for your gifts today, uh, and sharing yourself, your life, your energy, uh, my, give my love to your family, your husband, love to meet him one day. Um, well, thank you. This has been really a pleasure to, to take the topic in this new direction for me of, of talking about it in terms of relationships. A lot of fun. Thank you for letting me share my stories and hopefully impart a little bit of wisdom. And for everybody out there who is about to have a great Valentine's Day, be open, speak your truth and, and listen for theirs. And I, I wish you love and happiness. No, oh, listen for their truth. That's so deep. Can we just get a t-shirt that says that? <laughs> Speak your truth. Listen for theirs. Oh, <laughs> so good. Write it down there. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Laura. I'll speak with you soon. Have a great weekend until next time. Thank you, Fernando. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody.